Hey guys, it's me, Travis. Oh, that's the wrong, that's the wrong setting. Hold on one second. Oh, shoot. Hold on. Hey, looking to get a hold of uh, a Pepe Pork Shop. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck, 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 stop. Welcome to the oh, God damn it. Jeez. Oh, oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, 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 just wait, just wait. Make sure to check the oven. I know those pizza rolls are done. He said check the oven. Go in the kitchen and make sure the pizza rolls aren't overcooked. He's right. You know you like them when they're still a little bit chewy. Mm. Make sure to eat all your pizza rolls. Welcome everybody to Coffee House 2022. First poet of the night is the house favorite, Emo Brown. Make them feel good, y'all. A river flowing, flowing mud. River, river, filled with blood. Canteen your supply while it flows. Flowing, flowing, skulls and bones. Inspiring work by Emo Brown. Next up, we have a coffee house first timer. Everybody, snap your fingers for our Chunklamane Williams. Yeah, turn that shit, DJ. I ain't got bars like that last dude in line. Cause goddamn, son, that shit was divine. Flowing bars like rivers up in here. Making a god fearing man feel like he's going queer. Your bars are fat, just like your ass. You got more junk in your flow than I do for show. For show, come over here and lick my toe. You know, you know, you hoe. And I mean that respectfully, though. Happy Pride Month, y'all. Alright, first time, first kill, our Chunklamane Williams folks. Now keep that attitude up and enjoy the rest of the show. Well, well, if I ain't surprised, good for you, you little cowboy shitsters. You went to the podcast app and clicked play on this here little doohickey. Sometimes just clicking that there little button is the hardest part. So I congratulate you and thank you. Enjoy the conversation ahead, you wonderful little baby sweet darling angels. 
Hello, it is me, our friend, and I have a fresh-baked loaf of bread for you to eat. Eat it, or else you will be stripped from limb to limb. No more skin. We will take and make a suit out of you. Now go and eat your bread, or else go now. I will scoop out your eyes and puree them into a jelly. Go now, for else you will have each one of your little fingers removed one by one. Tis much easier to skin you with your fingers removed. But no fear, all you must do is snack upon my fresh baked bread. Just for you, just for you, just for you, just for you, just for you. All right, let's cut the crap. Time for the episode. Uh, let's get it rolling. Welcome. Uh, today, my guest is a man by the name of Zach Gallman. Zach is a very bright and interesting guy. He served the United States Army as a medic in the 82nd Airborne Division and went on to compete as a world-class strongman. He was a two-time Arnold Amateur Strongman World Championship competitor and the 2019 275-pound division U.S. Strongman National Champion. Currently, he is tackling his latest challenge, becoming a proficient and honed stand-up comedian. He's a very funny and genuine guy. I had a great time talking to him. Uh, ladies and gents, anybody who's listening, Zach Gallman. All right, Zach Gallman, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well, thank you. How you doing? Good. I uh, I realized that that intro right there wasn't uh, that because uh, <laughs> we've been talking. I, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. This is exciting. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, I try to put out like one or two a week, um, or one or two every two weeks. Okay, It's about the pace I'm at. I saw you did a YouTube channel a while ago. Yeah, uh, I had a. When I was in Strongman, I had a YouTube channel called Finding Strength, mm-hmm. um, which I realize a lot of people think it's like a Christian <laughs> revival thing or something. Yeah. But it was just, uh, you know, when I was in Strongman coming up, it wasn't very well known. It's still not very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a niche sport. And so my goal was to kind of just go around the country, talk to, I mean, the best strength athletes in the world. Mm-hmm best coaches in the world find the best gyms and just kind of give them a platform because uh at the time i was a columnist for a website called eliteftscom mm-hmm. which is might still be you know it's one of the biggest uh strength conditioning websites on the planet and um so i was a columnist for them and uh so basically i was like this is a great platform to just you know get the message out and so i you know literally drive around eight nine hours on a weekend just to go interview somebody and like wow at the time i was in columbus ohio and i drive to cedar rapids iowa to interview somebody that's an eight hour drive yeah leave friday be back sunday and so it was like um a lot of traveling a lot of just you know and then after about two years of doing that i decided i was just gonna say i did six weeks drove Mm -hmm. around the country i think i did like eight thousand miles in those six weeks and uh interviewed as many people as i could um you know world's strongest man competitors wow so uh, you were just for for six weeks you were just touring around the country interviewing people yeah, yeah interesting now how how were you able to do that um most people wouldn't like that's a long vacation you know uh 
So also for the past 15 years, I was a strength coach and, um, <clears throat> I used to work for a private facility in Columbus and then called the spot athletics. Uh, and then I kind of went off on my own and I was just doing strength conditioning and personal training. And, um, you know, I saved up some money and, you know, it was all personally funded. That's why I didn't keep going with it just because, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, I guess I'm bad at getting funding, but, uh, well, that kind of thing is really hard to do at it the is. beginning. It is. And like, you know, I understand a lot of athletes and a lot of gyms, they don't have that sort of money for marketing, especially yeah. strongman gyms and strongman athletes. It's not a high money sport. So no. it's, uh, so some gyms, they would, you know, they'd throw me a couple bucks here and there. And so like, I, you know, I made it six weeks mm-hmm. and, uh, I probably could have went another three or four, but I was just so burnt out and just, you know, yeah. pinching pennies. That I was like, no, I, I gotta go back. And so I drove home and, uh, yeah, that was it. Well, it was interesting, and I watched um, I watched two of those videos. Uh-huh. I thought they were interesting because that's not uh, the the guys who were interviewing those strong, um, you know, elite strongman athletes uh, aren't people that you hear from mm-hmm. very often. And uh, I don't know anybody that's got that uh, relationship that's so intimate with hard work yeah. is I think innately a little bit interesting. <coughs> so. Uh, so they they had interesting perspectives and then also getting to hear like the uh underground like you know like how those kind of competitions work is uh something that you know as somebody that would just casually see world's strongest man on yeah. tv one of the interesting things uh i forget the man you were interviewing um but he mentioned about world's strongest man um specifically and uh was it was more of a tv show than it is a competition and that got that was interesting because I was I didn't realize that there was more competitions going on that were more legit than that. I thought that was like, you know, the NFL or whatever. So, <clears throat> so actually, I the past three years I've worked for World's Strongest Man oh, uh, on their equipment crew, mm-hmm. and so like we you know we fabricate equipment, we put it all together, we bring it out to the field where they're competing, wherever they're competing, we do the resets and stuff. And it is very much a TV show, but I mean, those guys are still competing at a very right. high level. And so that it is like the World Series. Now, there's some argument in the strongman world. Uh, the Arnold Classic in Columbus, Ohio, that's kind of the, I would say, that's kind of the true test of who the strongest person in the world is because the creator of it, his name is Dr. Terry Todd, who's actually an Austin native. He's passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever seen the rogue shirts that say don't weaken, that's Dr. Terry Todd's like phrase. Interesting. And, um, but he was just, he's a strength historian. He was just a huge fan of strength. And so his contests were always the heaviest contest. It was like, basically what can the human body do? Wow. I mean, we're talking 1300 pound yoke walks, you know, 455 pound logs for reps. So a yoke walk. That yeah. was something that I heard repeated, and I I wasn't sure what that was. So, have you ever seen? Uh, I guess the best way to describe it is like, you ever seen the old World's Strongest Man? Where they're carrying, they have the thing on their back, and there's like a fridge on each side of them. And they're mm-hmm. running with it, or I mean, Baywatch, the new movie with the Rock, like they did a yoke walk in that. Okay. So basically, what it is, it's mimicking like farmers. Oh. They have a bar across yeah. their back, and they're carrying buckets. Yep. 
So he just decided, oh, well, let's make that 800 to 1,200 pounds. 1,200 pounds. Yeah. And so, How far do they walk? Uh, so in the Arnold, it was, I believe, the heaviest. They had they called it the bale tote carry because it was these two giant bales of cotton. <laughs> yeah. And it was up to, like, I think 1,350. And they were going, I think just it was, like, 25 feet. What um, the fuck? Which is short for... Most yoke walks are usually like 50 feet. Well, that's, I mean, think 50 feet, 25 feet, that's still, that's 10, 15 yards. Yeah. That's a, that's a long way with 1300 pounds. Yeah. Like, wow. And, you know, that's unreal. And it's crazy because some guys, you know, yoke's one of those things where some guys are just really good at it naturally. Yeah. Like uh, my buddy, Alan Colley down in Florida, he's, he's one of the best yoke walkers I've ever seen in my life. Like, I think he can run a hundred feet with 900 pounds on his back faster than he could walk that hundred <laughs> like it's just wild yeah. and um and that's definitely that's one of the true like you hate i i know very few people who love the yoke because yeah. it's just it beats you so down well i i what i think of when i think of doing that is your knees mm-hmm. my initial instinct is how does the human knee not buckle while it's taking steps with that amount of weight on you you know so like we were talking out before it comes down to technique um sure a lot of it is you're gonna have your knees like slightly bent but you're almost like it's almost like you're running when you have to take a shit Mm. you're trying to squeeze your ass keep your you know abs tight and you're just you're just taking small shuffle steps um well everybody everybody's carried something that's like uncomfortably heavy yeah how you walk when you're carrying something like that is different exactly like you can't you can't go like heel toe yeah it's just gotta be you're almost like shuffling down and just fuck yeah so i i'm I'm not trying to diss world's strongest man i don't know (laughs) anything about it um that's uh the whole idea of that kind of competition i think is 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 really interesting and is has there ever been any talk of bringing that style of competition to the Olympics? Because I know there's Olympic powerlifting, but that's a little bit different. Well, so the Olympics they have weightlifting, mm-hmm. um, which is a snatch and clean and jerk. There isn't powerlifting in the Olympics. They're oh, trying okay. to. There's a federation called the USAPL, which is the big issue is drugs. Yeah, and uh, I mean, in strongman, it's just it's a part of it. Yeah, you know, once you get to a certain level, like you're not. You know, you're not doing the weights that they're doing insane like weights that people didn't think were possible 10, yeah. 15 years ago. Well, shit that that should break your bones. Yeah, yeah. And you know, sometimes it does. And like, even powerlifting, like you know, now we got guys that are pulling a thousand pounds on deadlifts. They're you know benching eight hundred raw, uh, which you know a lot of a lot of people are familiar with West Side Barbell. And if you go back and look at West Side Barbell. Um, you know, you see guys they're squatting thirteen hundred pounds, but they're wearing what is you know uh, we call gear, basically like yeah. squat suits, bench shirts, stuff to help like tighten their body up. Yeah, and up until ten years ago, that was powerlifting, mm-hmm. um, wearing you know bench shirts and stuff. And so you know, I had my old boss mentor, he was basically like, you know, I had bench shirts where I couldn't touch my chest unless I had eight hundred pounds in my hand, and so like. Oh, because it keeps you that rigid. It keeps you that rigid, and the whole thing is it's, and so it's it's a very technical sport when you're using that because you have to stay in a groove, and you have because once if you're here and like and people can't see me, but like if you're yeah. coming down with that weight and that bar moves an inch, even a 
quarter of an inch back or forward like you get mm-hmm. out of that groove and it's just you know you're screwed same with like a squat like i don't know if you watched the recent two bears one cave where uh tom cigar had mark bell on mm-hmm. they showed him and he talks about it a little bit coming down with i think it was like i think it was like 1180 or maybe 1200 um and he just misgrooved it Ooh. and you know bar came down he dropped forward walked away from it yeah but like it's just it is a very skilled technique and once you learn how to use that suit and everything it's it's just finding that groove interesting well but, that that brings to light how uh how uh little margin of error there is because mm-hmm. like, you're in when you talk about the stakes you're dealing with like you can have some <laughs> catastrophic injuries oh yeah doing that you know yeah and it's i mean I know a guy who lost both, who lost one of his knees, mm. lost lost one of his legs, lower under the knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a strongman competition. Oh god! And, uh, so one of the events that we do sometimes is basically you have this big giant wheelbarrow. Yeah, and like you know, in hand empty, it'll be like three hundred pounds. So you run down, take a you know two hundred pound keg, throw it in, pick it up, run down to the next one, throw a two hundred pound keg in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the total weight was, but basically, I think it was the last iteration and he went to lift it up and blew both of his quads off you know complete amputee and uh still trains (laughs) beast i took care of a guy who uh and i can't say much um but he was a uh he was a little bit different vein but still uh still in the same kind of arena of sport but uh he was a bodybuilder and uh he was uh he had no function in uh, his lower extremities. Yeah. But he trained like an animal his entire life like that. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of... Um, there's actually a guy in Columbus named Chris Vaccio who mm-hmm. runs the uh, basically para strongman competition every year. And I mean, Interesting. I'd like to see what kind of events they, they run, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of it, like they have like one-handed deadlifts, I think. And I mean, there's guys that'll pull 500 pounds with one hand it's just it's insane Maybe it's just yeah. like come on man what the fuck you adapt and overcome you know yeah. i think that's it's just life you, wow. you know eventually either you either you die by the wayside or you adapt and overcome yeah and you have two options especially yeah. when you're faced with that kind of situation i deal with people in that situation a lot where it's like right now you have two options one option is feeling sorry for yourself yeah which everybody everybody that you know is doing that for you. Everybody feels bad for you. Yeah. I feel bad for you. Like this sucks. Or you, and you can join that group of people who feel sorry for you, or you can, you know, look at all the opportunity you still have and be thankful for what you do have and, Mm -hmm. you know, find a way to overcome that. But that's also a really difficult thing to tell somebody, you know, cause you're not in that position. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, um, yeah, I think that's something people have to find out for themselves. Uh, yeah. But I think people that aren't in that situation should learn from that and basically, mm-hmm. like, cause, I mean, look, we all have shitty lives and shitty situations happen to us, and some people just give up and some people just keep pushing forward. And yeah. it's like, you know, I think my uh, the only reason I w- had any notoriety in Strongman is, I mean, I worked hard, but I think I was just too dumb to quit. It's, hey. you know, it's just, it was, I just, I, there's nothing, there's something in me that's just like, you know. It also sounds like you were putting the work in. I mean, when you're just talking about what you would do to go interview people, yeah. like most people aren't going to do that. 
they could think, you know, they're getting, you know, they're, they're training or whatever. They like talking to the, their local guys. They think it's cool. They're like, man, I could make a podcast out of this, or I could like interview people. And all that is, is a thought you had the, you had the commitment to actually go out there and do it, you know? Yeah. Which I think says something. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I always get these wild hairs up my ass and then I just yeah keep doing it. Sometimes and, you got to follow that. The most interesting people do. Yeah. You know, I hope I'm interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far this is, I'm enjoying this conversation. We're talking about something that I know little to nothing about, you know, but I'm fascinated by it, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny. Cause like, uh, everybody's like, well, why don't you like do, you know, comedy? Like, why don't you do comedy with, you know, about strong. And I'm like, yeah, the amount of, explanation and like trying to uh what's the word translate stuff mm-hmm. like i'm working on it but yeah. it's like it's gonna take a while just because yeah. it's like how can i make this relatable to everybody that's uh that's i i experienced that too um with nursing like mm-hmm. there's just a reality of it that is difficult to convey to somebody like i've 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 said so much like i wish i could wear a gopro at work sometimes just yeah. to show you like what it's like because like it's really difficult to like explain things uh, in a world that's so complex um, that they know nothing about. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So with the with the strongman competitions, um, I was curious, like, what your favorite event was, and what uh, is the most difficult to train for? Um, the one I enjoyed the most was I like I love Atlas Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the classic. Yeah. That's, to me, that's like when I think strongman, that's what I think of. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at my, my shirt. Oh, shit. Right now. Yeah. It's, what's up? Uh, shout out to Steve Slater. Um, my best event was always overhead. Um, you know, I was hitting 400 pound clean and presses 12 years ago when a lot of guys weren't. Damn, son. And then uh, that's, that's clean and press is. Well, so like there's Olympic clean and press on right. a barbell. We usually use either a log or an axle. Right. So in contest, I've hit a 420 pound. It's a two inch, just thick axle, like from basically you find on a car with weights on the end. And so Jesus. I clean, yeah, I did 420 pounds in 2015. Mm-hmm. And then on a log, I've hit a uh, 400 for a double. That's pretty insane to be lifting that kind of weight above your head. Yeah, it's... It's not fun sometimes. <laughs> what kind of what kind of grip do you have on it? Uh, so at that weight, um, we use an over under grip. So basically, like an, an Olympic one, I've done four hundred, uh, like an Olympic clean. Yeah. And so that, I mean, both your hands are facing the same way, and you use what you call a hook grip. Mm-hmm. Where you put your thumb under and you put your fingers over. And uh, but the axle's so big that you can't really do that. Right. Um, and so we call it a continental clean where you have one hand under, one hand over. And basically you pull it off the ground and you get it to your stomach, the continental part. And I don't know why they call it continental. But uh, yeah. and then from there you kind of flip your hand, no bring shit. it up to your shoulders, and then press. Wow. So yeah. there is a split moment when you're switching grips. That's like you have to like bring – like, you know, oh, yeah. anybody that's a lifter or whatever, like you know what it's like to like switch grips while you're lifting it. But to do that with that amount of weight, that's fucking gnarly. Yeah, it's uh, I I fucked up at a contest one time. Uh, I was trying to get my pro card down in Orlando. I think it was 2013, and yeah, it was a weight I've done a million times. And I was just in my head, and uh, 
I went to clean it, and when I went to do the hand flip, I missed it, and the bar flew out. And, like, you know, there's no injuries or anything. It, I basically just reset it, and instead of, like, because you have a full minute to do it. So mm-hmm. it's, like, instead of taking that, you know, 30 seconds to just recollect. Breathe. Yeah. I just kept attacking it, and I just never got it because I was just so in my head and just so Well, you were probably off. the yeah. adrenaline of the moment. Oh, yeah, Just yeah, go, yeah. go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Atlas Stone's my favorite to do. Okay. Uh, I loved overhead just because I was, I was just naturally good at it. Yeah, it was, I have really short, stubby arms and wide shoulders. It just works. Sure. Um, the hardest event to train for, I mean, you know, like truck pulls and stuff. It's yeah, it's the showy ones that you just getting equipment for is hard to do. Right, like I just uh, the, the type of sled that you'd need to do. Like, how much weight are you putting on a sled? Are you putting wheels on the sled? What right. do you do? Um. So I'll say this: I was very spoiled from the bat, from the start of getting the strongman. I was with a team called uh, Team Boss out of Columbus, Ohio. It's uh, Brothers Steel and Strength, mm-hmm. Steel and Stone. Sorry. And um, basically, my mentor and strongman, his name is Rick Freitag. He had a business, uh, like you know, pretty big business restoration company. So he had some semis and stuff <laughs> like that so like <laughs> that's tight dude yeah like how many guys are actually getting to train pulling a semi right that's exactly tight, yeah and so you know we were lucky with that and he had all the equipment i ever needed so yeah. i never really had to spend money on equipment it was always just like here's 20 bucks a month for tape chalk all that kind of shit and damn so yeah so i was really spoiled in that aspect this is off topic but what kind of restoration company was he uh one of my best friends is a historic preservationist, and yeah, so he did a lot of like uh, old churches, um, like VA uh, burial sites, like the walls and stuff, yeah. and um, a lot of roofs, like you know, government buildings. Interesting. That's yeah. that's like the line of work my buddy's in. He like is yeah. painting on like beautiful like murals and government buildings and like restoring old historic homes and stuff like that and yeah it's, it's a that's that field on itself like if i had an education in the skill set man that's a cool that's a cool field it is a cool field and uh yeah it's cool i remember driving we did a contest in milwaukee once and just mm-hmm. he was just driving around looking at all the buildings and like he just has such a love for yeah you know st- uh infrastructure like yeah structural stru- design yeah. and engineering yeah and um but they're also crazy, man. Those guys, they'll be, you know, they're 800 feet in the air on top of a roof, just tied off and just walking around like it's nothing. I'm yeah. just like, nah, dude. Yeehaw. They get strong shoulders, man. My buddy's like half the day. Sometimes he's on projects where he's just reaching and doing shit on a ceiling yeah. all day long. Yeah, I can't do that shit. Yeah, dude. man. It's a cool job. So um, you've also mentioned, uh, I think you were you served in the military. Yeah, I was a, a medic in the 82nd Airborne Division uh, from 2001 to 2005. And I, I did a year National Guard after that. Interesting. Which I don't really count because it was just a shit show. But yeah, it's still. I mean, it's it's not as uh, serious of a commitment. Um, no, it was. It was basically when still, I was getting out, they were just like they called it try one, and they wanted to try to get people in the National Guard after getting out, and so yeah. I tried a year, and I was like, this isn't for me. So. Right. And it, I wonder if that helped, like, kind of regulate, because I know guys that have had a lot of struggle going from military life to, uh, you know, to just regular everyday life. Yeah, that is, I mean, <clears throat> that was always kind of my biggest struggle was, uh, like, survivor's guilt, 
And then mm-hmm. also just, you know, you go from like the best support structure you've ever had in your life. Right. To whatever. There you go. You're <laughs> so on your own side. like, ah, shit. Yeah. And, you know, still to this day, you know, most of those guys I still talk to very regularly and they're like my brothers. So like, yeah, uh, I definitely, I'm happy about that. And like, I'm happy I was in, but yeah, getting out was kind of rough. And I, I don't think PTSD is as prevalent as people like to make it up to be mm-hmm. among veterans. Um, I think a lot of it is separation anxiety. It's a lot of survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's definitely out there for sure. hundred yeah. percent. But like, it's definitely not as prevalent as I think people want. I wonder, that's interesting. I wonder if it's uh part, you know, it's obviously a very stressful time in yeah. a man or woman's life who's spent so long with that kind of structure um, to just go out. It's like, you know, when someone gets institutionalized by being in prison for so long, like you just, life is just different. And then mixed with like, you used to spend every day almost with your best friends and the people you care about mixed in with now nothing really has that like you know that need you know nothing's quite as urgent or important i guess like because when you get a mission or when you're you're on you're you're deployed like every day you're on yeah i assume um i feel like going back into just the monotony of like well you make sure to mail your taxes by tuesday yeah it's just just like it's just (laughs) yeah it's just it doesn't it doesn't carry the same weight you know and you know it's just it's too um which i've i've liked since i've gotten down to austin and started doing comedy is uh it's a very dark we're all very dark in the military very Uh dark sense of humor and like i feel like that phrase has been so abused dark humor but it really is like well dark humor is like the humor that comes out when you're in a shitty situation with exactly. people. Like when you're, you know, in the mud fucking working your ass off with somebody next to you, you know, yeah. that's where you, you, you make jokes to try to get yourself through that situation. Yeah. And, and the shit that's funny is fucked up. Well, like, yeah, like me and like two of my best friends that are from the military, like for years, our sign off when we were like texting was, uh, I H D. I A G F, which is, I hope you die in a grease fire. <laughs> like, that's just how he was said goodbye to each other. Like, yeah, that's funny. Also, <laughs> fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. Burns no. are the worst things I've ever seen. But, you know, it's just fucked up shit like that. And I like coming down here where yeah. I don't think it's a, as dark, but you can say some fucked up shit and right. people are going to laugh. And yeah. if they don't laugh, they're going to be like, yeah, shut up. Whatever. Yeah. And it's, yeah. so it's, you know, it's nice. And it's like, uh, and it's also that same I found with comedians too. It's like, most comedians are in a shitty situation almost. Not, I don't want to say shitty situation, but like we understand the struggle. Yeah. And so like, you know, everybody's very, for the most part that I've seen is like very like, you know, it's like, Hey, I have 10 bucks. I can't go out drink tonight. Like I'll mm-hmm. get you a couple beers. Right. You know, it's like, it's mostly like, I'll give you the shirt off my back type of thing with yeah. a lot of people. I've it's, seen. it's so, a, it, sorry. I didn't mean to cut no, you off. Fine. I, it feels like uh, there's a lot of people that are, you know, looking for a home. Mm-hmm. You know, people know most people that are pursuing stand up comedy have like some sort of like yearning for belonging yeah. um, in some way. They want some sort of validation, whether it be just through friends or through like an audience laughing at them. Yeah. So that there is that uh, 
there is that uh, perspective of it, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I had this conversation with somebody the other night, and she was just like, uh, she's like, yeah, we're all narcissistic. I was like, I don't know if we're narcissistic. I think yeah. narcissists actually like themselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the thing. Like, narcissists think they're awesome. She's like, that Most, makes sense. I've never gone on and off stage and thought, man, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, fuck that. Yeah, it's just, I thought, okay, I did good, but I could have should have done better. Yeah, like, it's like, you know, you're stepping up for your, your weekly or whatever daily dose of public humiliation almost, yeah. you know. That's interesting. So, so with the military, um, I'm curious what, like, cause I, I never served, but it was always something I considered thought about, um, what was going in? Like, what were your expectations of the military? And then what was the reality? Um, my expectations, which I think a lot of people think it is, is, uh, I thought it was going to be a lot harder interesting i mean i thought like when i got to basic training like they're gonna be beating the shit out of us and mm-hmm. like i was just gonna hate my life um now i could go through basic training and i'd have the time of my life just because it's funny yeah like i just <laughs> i remember so basically you go to basic training um go to like a uh i forget what they call it basically like where they're sorting you out and stuff you get your hair cut they take all your belongings they give you your uniforms and shit and then um, the day you go to your actual unit for training, I mean, they bring you out, they smoke the shit out of you. You got to like lift your, uh, duffel bag over your head for however long. And it's just, you know, they're mm-hmm. all yelling at you. And I thought it was hilarious. Cause like we were getting off the bus and like, you know, the first drill sergeant's like, you better be fucking running. You better be fucking running. And they get to the next drill sergeant and he's like, why the fuck are you running? <laughs> and you're just like, and I just start fucking cracking up. Cause I'm just like, this is fucking great. This is yeah. hilarious. And, um, and so it was just, it was shit like that. Like they, the drill sergeants, I mean, they're just dudes that yeah. they're in a job that most of them didn't want. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing a lot of people don't realize. like drill sergeants, usually it's like, you got orders. Fuck. And yeah. So, well, I can't imagine being like, man, I want to be a drill sergeant. No, you got to be a psychopath to want to be a drill sergeant. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so it's just funny. Cause like, they're always trying to crack jokes. I mean, they're yelling at you, but like. Mm-hmm. They have the best, I mean, they swear like British people, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. they have the best fucking swear words. They say shit like, you know, like soup sandwich is always one of my favorites. We had one drill sergeant that called everyone a crackhead. Mm-hmm. I remember one guy got really offended by it. He was like, why are you calling me a crack? I'm not a drug addict. He goes, I never said you were a drug addict. I said, you got a fucking crack in your head, idiot. And just like, you know, just like <laughs> shit like that. And they're very, they're very quick. And I don't yeah. know if they learned that like in drill sergeant school or what, but, yeah. uh, I wonder if there is like a PowerPoint on just like, all right, here are some of the best insults. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we had one guy who was an ex sniper or, I mean, he was a sniper yeah. and he went to, you know, become a drill sergeant cause he got orders and he went back. But, uh, he was like a robot, but it was funny as shit. Cause yeah. he would just like, look at you, like take your water bottle, mm-hmm. unscrew the cap, put it over your head, pour. And he would just watch you the whole time, just straight faced. That's hilarious. Like, Have a good day and walk away. Just, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so just shit like that. But um, and after basic, you go to training. Like I was a medic, so I did. I think it was sixteen weeks down in Fort Sam, mm-hmm. San Antonio, and then uh, you get your units. I mean, for the most part, it's a regular nine to five job. Mm. You just, I mean, you wake up in the morning, UPT. Um, so like we'd wake up at six thirty. Do training, like running, push-ups, all that kind of shit. 
sometimes ruck marching. And then we would basically, you get two hours to, you know, shower, eat breakfast, and you have your first formation at nine. Mm-hmm. And you just go to your job. Like, you know. Interesting. So they, they kind of keep like a level of like, you know, humanity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you basically, you know, you're in the barracks and that's what I thought going in the barracks would be like, you know, I don't think we'd get civilian clothes. I thought I'd be wearing a uniform every day, all day for four years. But no, it's just, you know, it's like living in a dorm with a bunch of fucking other, you know, idiots. And, um, it's it's a bunch of 18 to 25 year olds with money and just, booze and (laughs) interesting so that makes me curious uh my girlfriend's sister is uh looking to join the air force Mm -hmm. um what kind of experience with women in the military uh, did you have and like what uh if you had advice for a woman uh, a young woman thinking about joining the military like what would uh what would you say i would say definitely go air force or they treat you like people Mm -hmm. um See, I, I was always in combat arms. Like I was part of an artillery unit. So like I didn't really work with women a lot, um, except like in basic training in AIT because basic training was all male In AIT for medic. There was a lot of women. Um, I mean, I would just say, and I tell every recruit, I think it, it works both ways. Like when you go in, just. You know, it's not, when they say jump, don't say how high, just fucking yeah. jump. And if you're wrong, they'll tell you. Right. And so, um, and never be, you, you get really good at learning the art of fake, um, volunteering. Mm. So like, they'll say, Hey, we need three volunteers to go to this duty. And like, you know, I always call it the lean in where you're like, you're, you're leaning in a little bit and you're waiting for somebody else to go before yeah. you do. And you just see that whole like formation, like start leaning and then two people jump. in. you're like, oh, all right, good. That's funny. But yeah, you never want to be like the standout, but you also don't want to be the shit bag. And so I would just yeah. say like, do what you're told, get it done and just don't make a lot of noise. And then right. you get through. Um, do you think it'd be difficult for a woman to navigate that because it is so male dominated and it's such a masculine environment? Um, I don't think so. so. I think now how much more it's mixed and um, cause like basic training, which was all male was mm-hmm. very different from my AIT, my advanced individualized training. Mm-hmm. Cause there was women there and there were female drill sergeants and female cadre um, where, you know, Benning was like when I got there, they hated us from Benning cause you know, they always think the guys from Benning are cocky. And so, like, the first night we were there, they released you know, everybody from, like, Fort Jackson, all these other basic training bases. Like, they were good to go for the night. Mm. They were up in bed going to dinner and shit. We're out there for three to four hours getting the shit smoked out of us just because we came from Benning. So, yeah. it was like... Damn, so. I think in those environments, it is very... Uh, you know, it's like any environment. You have a yeah. female drill sergeant who's got your back and... Cool. Yeah, you know, it just depends. Um, and the Air Force, honestly, is it's way, like I said, they treat you like a person there. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know how their like, initial training is, but right. Like, so I was at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, and we had Pope Air Force Base, and like we, any chance we could go to eat at Pope Air Force Base, we would because their dining facility was like a fucking five star restaurant. Oh yeah, or ours was just 
you know, like a high school cafeteria. So it's like, yeah. And they had like apartments, not like, not barracks. They had like apartments. And so it was like, yeah, Air Force is the way to go. Cool. That's a, that's, you know, that's encouraging. I think there's, you know, you know, we've all seen news stories where like, you know, some woman was just, you know, got the shit harassed out of her, you know, like there's like that weird sexual component to it where, you know, you're the lone female and living in the same quarters as a bunch of dudes like yeah i i mean mixed mixed units you're not really going to have that much of a discrepant like uh it's going to be pretty equal it's not like you're part. just going to be the only chick there yeah no interesting um, <clears throat> and i'm trying to say this you know cuz i don't want to sound like discredit the allegations and stuff that have come out cuz i know it is a problem but like yeah I think, I mean, you're taking 1% of the population yeah. and then you're focusing on 0.01% of the issues. And so, yeah, it does happen. Well, but yeah, it's like, yeah. it's such a small test group. Uh, I can't say this anyway without sounding terrible, but yeah, yeah. it is such a small percentage of population. Like those incidents become more magnified. Right. And, and so, so I think like what somebody might say is don't, if you focus on that, then, you know, you're obviously going to be, you know, you're not going to want to go in that direction because you think that's like going to happen, but most likely that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And that goes for normal life too. Like, you know, the shit like that, like sexual harassment or sexual abuse or anything like that happens in your regular, in people's regular lives. So, yeah. And I mean, they have, you know, <laughs> one of my favorite, uh, so, I mean, we had, like, an HR guy, basically. Sure. And he was this big jack dude from fucking Brooklyn and uh, Sergeant Johnson. I remember he had, like, a sexual harassment training. I remember this is an all-male artillery unit. Yeah. So he brings us into the church. And, um, it's in a church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he starts playing that scene from, um, I think it's Indecent Proposal, mm-hmm. where she's, like, threatening to you know, blackmail him and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he like stops and he's like, I don't know. He's like, if somebody came up on me, I just beat the shit out of him. So I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> like that was our <laughs> sexual harassment training. That's I was funny. like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's hard for me to tell just cause I didn't yeah. work with females. And you're not regularly. a female. And I'm so not like, a female, you don't know that so. experience. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting, something I thought about or something we were thinking about. And, you know, because it's you find a young girl going in the military, you're like, you know, that's definitely uh, the minority. It's it's more common now, though. I, you know, I'd say same thing for everyone else. Learn how to fucking defend yourself. Yep. And it's shitty. It sucks. And, you know, unfortunately, there are shitty people out there, no matter how many fucking Twitter posts we make. Yeah. They're going to still be around. So learn how to fucking stab them in the balls i don't know yeah. <laughs> just fucking fight for yourself do what you gotta stand do up for yourself it don't sucks be, but don't be yep. well don't be weak that's the whole thing yeah. it's, you know like you're never gonna stop bullies you know no. there's there's always gonna be bullies you gotta learn how to stand up to a bully exactly. yeah. you know you can't that's that's an important life lesson for anybody yeah i think and that was one of the biggest things i remember getting out and like going to college mm-hmm. and just i'm just like people have no awareness like interesting and uh, i remember i was walking through campus one time and you know i always look behind me and stuff and this guy was like you from the hood i was like no i'm like i was in the army and i'm from jersey he's like 
So yeah, that makes sense from Jersey. He's like, because you're the only motherfucker I've seen here that's looked behind him the entire time he's been walking. Yeah. He's like, people around here are too trusting. And I'm just like, and I think that's the biggest thing is number one, you go to any self-defense course, it's situational awareness. Yep. And people just don't seem to have that anymore. Yeah. Proprioception. You yeah. want to know what's around you. You exactly. got to know, like, you know, the people be like, know where your exits are. But like, observe how many people are in a room. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just observe, like, don't just like play off somebody's weird behavior as like nothing because, you yeah, know, they might be weird. Yeah. You know, there could be, they could be up to something. Right? Oh, yeah. No, uh, it's, yeah. That shit. Yeah, that's important. That's a good lesson from the military. Like, don't just trust people. Yeah. I mean, I think Mattis has one of my, General Mattis has one of my favorite quotes where he says, you know, be nice, be courteous to everybody you meet, but also always, always have a plan to kill them, too. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it works. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, my buddy, uh, I had a buddy that was an uh, Army Ranger, and he definitely had that about him. Yeah. You know, he always, he always had like a look that, he knows what to do if something happens. It's like baseball. You know, when you're playing baseball, you want to think, okay, before the pitch, where am I going? If the ball comes to mm-hmm. me, where am I going with it? If it's on the ground, I'm going with it here. If it's in the air, I'm going yeah. with it here. You know, you want to know, like, you just want to have a plan. You don't want to be caught flat-footed exactly. in life. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. So uh, you're uh, you're the first uh, Ohio State football fan <laughs> that I have had on this podcast. Um, that's interesting. That's, uh, that's to me, that's, that's funny. Cause like whenever I, uh, whenever I'm out and I find myself in conversation with somebody who is an Ohio state Buckeye, uh-huh. uh, I, I, I always like talking to them because there is no rivalry in yeah. all of sports, like the rivalry between Ohio state and Michigan, Michigan football. It's just the most, it's the most fun rivalry. It's the longest, I, mean, I don't know if it's the longest lasting, but it's just an intense sports rivalry that just nothing else touches. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I really, I don't have much of a question other than like, how do you root for that team? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, so I'm not, I mean, honestly, they're my team, but like I grew up in New Jersey, so we had Rutgers, <laughs> like Rutgers fucking hates Michigan. Yeah. But, like, they were never good. No. And so, like, I remember the one year they were really good, and I was home for whatever Christmas or so. I don't know. But I was out at the bar, and everybody's in Rutgers gear. And I'm like, when the fuck did you all become Rutgers fans? That's oh, cool. dude, I've always – no, you haven't. Like, shut up. Like, yeah. And uh, I, re- I, I went to Ohio State because, like, when I was deployed, um, over Thanksgiving we got a copy of – Somehow somebody got the Michigan Ohio State game, mm-hmm. and so you know we're in this little forward observation base out by the Syrian border. You know, not much bigger than probably smaller than this apartment complex, mm. and uh, you know it was like half the room was Michigan, half the room was Ohio. I was just kind of a bystander in the back and just watching, and I was like, "Damn, this is fucking nuts!" Like, I yeah. I want that. Yeah, you know, it's it's the most fun. Yeah, it's the it's the the animosity and hatred between those two teams is like fucking real oh it's crazy it's, I, yeah and it is like you said it's fun and just most of my friends were from ohio in the army mm-hmm. like i don't think i really had any michigan friends um that was just by happenstance and so and i got out and i was like well where do i want to go to school yeah so i can go to ohio state yeah so 
Yeah, and it's funny too because that rivalry. Um, I grew up in Michigan. That rivalry between Ohio and Michigan, just on a state level, is real. Oh, yeah. Like people ask anybody in Michigan, Ohio sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like Ohio's a shit garbage place to live. <laughs> like no offense to anybody in Ohio, but like you know that place blows. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know it's uh it's just a. Uh, I don't know. It's something that I look forward to every year is that game, you know. It is because, you know, the whole city gets in, like Columbus at least. The whole city is involved. Like yeah. all the signs, all the M's are blacked out on the signs. And, like, yep. you know, it's just – it's crazy. And, like, you know, game days, there's, you know, probably half a million to 750,000 people well, just the, in red fucking yeah. jerseys everywhere. And you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's, it's such a – that's what makes – to me, college sports so much more exciting just in general than yeah. pro sports is, uh, well, at least football is the culture around college football is like no other sport. Oh yeah. It's, it's the, it's the best. Like there's so much that just like the stadiums, you know, you, you pack 114,000 people into yeah. the big house. Like there's nothing else. And like then that. that parking lot is full too yeah there's and, another hundred thousand people yeah. out there yeah and you know and that's even like if you're not even into sports like i would say go to a game day at yeah. some big college and it's just you're gonna have the time of your life yeah walking around to different fucking you know uh grill, tailgates, tailgates and and people shit. are sharing food people give you a hot dog oh, like, yeah. have a beer with somebody everybody's like into the game it's it's just a great atmosphere oh yeah if you're a poor college kid and you just get a couple beers and start walking around and talking somebody's to people, gonna you give you eat some all food. day like Hell it's fucking yeah. great yeah i met i i haven't been to a, a michigan game in a minute man but they're fun yeah how do you feel have you heard about ucla and usc moving into the big 10 i saw something about it i haven't really read up on it yeah. um Right, I I made the same face when it's, I found out. I was like, "What?" Like I understood when Rutgers went in and wanted to get Maryland too. Kind of understand. Yeah, kind of, but uh, like, why UCLA and USC? It's be it's my theory, and I've done minimal reading about it, but it's obviously it's money. Yeah, there's the two the two elite conferences in NCAA are the Big Ten and SEC. Yeah, it's I think it's motivated by that and it's i don't know what if we're looking because because it's coupled with the move um i think uh ut texas and then lsu was lsu in the sec yeah lsu's the sec are they no it's uh oklahoma in texas oklahoma oklahoma and texas are moving into the sec which okay. is, was controversial in its own right. They're like, I don't think fans are necessarily happy that it's happening. Wasn't Oklahoma part of the? Didn't they move into the Big Ten like a while ago? And then I, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 never heard I know that. for sure it was Rutgers in Maryland, but then yeah. I thought Oklahoma might have. But it just, it just doesn't to me on the. I know I asked your opinion, but like to me on just the face level, it's like why are two f- schools that are you know. 2,000 miles away yeah. from all the other schools, why are they joining this conference? Yeah. Because it's, it's, that's not how conferences work. It's like yeah, an it's area to be a regional. Of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, especially because they suck too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't followed USC in a while. I just remember they were pretty good back when, uh, yeah. what's his name was running it? Uh, started coaching for the uh, Seahawks. Oh, Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll. And then uh, 
Yeah, yeah Mark had, Sanchez. You know, they've they were, had historically great teams. Yeah. Not knocking USC and L- UCLA, but in the last you know ten years, they haven't ten even probably twenty years. Eh. No, early two thousands, they were pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I just to me, it's like it's more. I feel like those conferences need to be more of like a regional thing. Yeah. Because that creates a fan base, you know, and like I was you know go back to Strawman. That was one of the things I always dreamed of was having like regional qualifiers, which we don't. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird way to get to nationals. It's really just, you can do one contest yeah. in the backyard and you got an invite to nationals where it's like, I think there should be almost kind of how CrossFit did it. But it, like my belief in sports in general are like, you know, your conference, whatever should be a regional team. Cause then you have fans that follow that got, you know, follow whoever, the team, whatever, and then regionals go into section, you know, yeah. it builds its way up, but I don't know. And I guess the conferences don't really matter that much. Yeah. Well, the, it's day, with, with what you're talking about with strong, man, it kind of makes sense. It's like, okay, prove you're the best here. Yeah. And then prove you're the best here. And then, and you, then you eventually get to prove that you're the best in the big dogs, you yeah. know, or like compete with the big dogs. Yeah. And I just, but I, I, and I guess my main point is I feel like, you know, conference pride or team pride is a regional thing. Yeah. So if you have two teams from California yeah, that are not even near the Midwest. Right. You know, Big Ten's a Midwest conference. And so it's like, um, but I don't know. That's, yeah. you know, money gets involved and it's. Well, I, yeah, it's money. I think it's also recruiting now too, you know, because now I think why a lot of big 10 schools probably were you know for it or voted for it was now you're gonna get that pipeline of talent i mean california is uh is a fertile lands for football players those are that california i think is underrated as a football state but those guys are there's a lot of high schoolers playing some serious ball out there oh yeah no california is probably one of the top i mean california and texas are probably the top two just yeah football states texas is nuts yeah I you drive like I drive around and see high school stadiums here that are as impressive as Division two colleges. Oh yeah, no, it's fucking crazy <laughs> nuts. But hey, it's what they do, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it, it's it's the reality of it's the reality of life. I ain't changing it. Complaining yeah. about it, I ain't changing it. But uh, I mean, it's just I just it just struck me as something weird. Like I'm not, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a purist. I, I like tradition. You yeah. Know? I was found in a house on tradition. <laughs> nah, I'm I'm the same way when it comes to sports. Like, but at the end of the day, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's it's gonna go back to the team. So yeah. it's like, what team do I like? And yep. you know, there's teams in the Big Ten that I you know I'm not a big Penn State fan. No, so. ugh, I, <laughs> I hate Penn State. Penn State, they're a fun school to watch though. I love watching. Yeah. Like whenever you're playing Penn State, you're like, oh shit, this is this is gonna be a game. Like no matter what, Penn State's gonna be a game. Michigan yeah. State too. Yeah. No matter I'll what, Michigan Mich- State. Yeah. Michigan State, they can have a garbage team, but put them up against an elite team, and they're gonna play them. Yeah, they remind me of like, you know, teams in the '80s. Like we were talking, like they're just brawlers. Something. I just yeah. feel like they're always just like. Oh, and I know people from Michigan that went to Michigan State, and that's that mentality. They're yeah. just that junkyard dog. Yeah, exactly. Junkyard dog. They're the underdogs. They're like, yep. fuck you. And they're yep. just going to come at you hard. Yeah. And like, sometimes no matter it what. works, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah. 
I, I I got a, I got a lot of love for Michigan State, even though you know they're the in-state rival, but they're still <laughs> my state. I'll, I'll root for Michigan State over anybody else in the Big Ten. Yeah, hundred percent of the time, except against Michigan. That's interesting. This is this has been an interesting talk. Yeah. Um. You've you've obviously you've had a lot of uh, life experiences that have uh, led you down this road, and that is another thing that I'm curious because uh, not many people. Um, I'm sure a lot of people think about it, but not many people actually like take the steps uh, to get into stand-up comedy. So I'm like, what what led you down that road? Um, honestly, it was something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, my parents got me these like old-time radio tapes, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I listened to them before I go to bed. It was like W.C. Fields, Jack Benny, Abbott and Costello, and like. Yeah, I just fell in love with listening to people, you know, making it made me laugh, and you yeah. Know. Um, and then, you know, my dad would buy me like joke books, and like you know, I had a it was a dirty joke. It was Jackie the Joke Man from Howard Stern. When I was mm-hmm. like eight or nine. No like, shit. Got a you know Jeff Foxworthy when I yeah. was like a little kid because I thought you know it might be redneck jokes were hilarious, and I just always found comedy and loved it and. I never really knew how to do it. Like I never knew. I always thought these guys just got on stage and were just going off the head. I was like, right. "Holy shit! How can somebody do that?" And it was yeah. always amazing to me. Then I got into high school and I had like you know Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. And I was like, "Fuck!" You know that just blew my mind even more. Yeah. And then um, it was something I always wanted to do, and I just you know before the internet was really big and before podcasts were big, like I had no idea how to do. It. I had no yeah. idea about open mics. Honestly, it was like listening to Rogan for whatever, and they were, you know, you'd have comedians on talking about going to open mics, and I was like, oh, shit, like, there's an actual path to this, albeit it's a very difficult one, but, yeah, and so then I started writing just, like, seven years ago, just jotting shit down and just mm-hmm. kind of writing whatever I thought was funny, whatever come to my head, and um, so for, like, the past four or five years, it was just getting the balls to do it yeah and that's a big thing is yeah um, and then like most comedians went through a bad breakup you know i thought i was i was at the point in my life where i was like oh wow i've you know i found the person to get married have kids with and blah 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 and it was just like one day it was gone wow and i was supposed to move to a different state never resign my lease and so i just said you know what fuck it Hopped in my car with a bag of clothes and drove down here and lived in my car for the first two months and then wow. just uh that's commitment know. yeah and so now you know it's it's like i finally found like something i've been craving to do for 38 years wow you know? and um i was actually really high last night and i started writing <laughs> i was kind of writing a joke about it because i was thinking you know and i go to therapy finally <laughs> yeah and, right uh, one of the big things we talk about is like you know just what, writing down what you're thankful for and like you know I am very thankful for comedy, so I kind of go through the whole list of like, you know on paper I have a huge set of nuts like, you know I joined the army when I was 17, albeit it was two weeks before 9/11, um, you know, and I have a kind of whole bit about that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, you just instinctively knew. <laughs> yeah. Who well, knows? So, <laughs> it's a great story because. I was hanging out with this girl and uh, she was just like, well, what if we go to war? I was like, who are we going to go to war with? I'm like, I'm just going to get college money. 
in fucking two weeks in no <laughs> basic shit. training. That eleven happens. Um, <laughs> you know, I was airborne. I saw combat. Yeah. And, uh, and I got out and I went in the strongman and like. That's know, another thing that you know. Crazy fucking just you know I've torn muscles, broken shit. Like it's just and just kept going and like yeah. moved down here and it's like you know I have all this shit that on paper it's like. You got balls of steel, but it took me 38 fucking years to grow the balls to get up and say something for four minutes in front of people. Right. And then what's so humbling about it is the difficulty. Oh, it's fucking amazing. It's it's unreal. And I love it because, and I, you know, I think the thing that keeps me driving is I want to be good at things. Yeah. I want to be good at the difficult things. Yeah. And, um. I think a lot of people are too comfortable just with mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to say I'm the successful person because I sure as shit ain't. I'm broke as fuck. And like, but success isn't measured. Success isn't measured. And, yeah. And, but, it, and you know, I'm not going to lie. I get jealous of like my friends that are married with kids and yeah. they have a nice house and I'm here fucking struggle bussing. And it's like, but I don't think I could look back. You know, in 20 years from now, I wouldn't be able to look back at myself and be happy if I didn't pursue goals. So it's yeah. like, pursue the hardest things that I wanted to do, you know? So yeah. So I was just like, fuck it. And That's I, interesting. You're not just pursuing hard things to pursue hard things. You're also pursuing hard things that you have an innate, like, desire to do or yeah. accomplish. That's really, I think that's admirable. And I think that is one of the keys to happiness. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's nothing like learning how to do something like that feeling of not being good at something and yeah. then going back and finding ways to improve. Like that's one of the best feelings there is. Yeah. And you know, I like being a beginner again. Yeah. You know, Cause strong that's, man, I wasn't yeah. the world's strongest man, but I was damn sure an elite athlete and yeah. an expert. And you know, how far did you uh, go in strong man? Um, so I've competed at the amateur world championships twice. Then I won uh, national championships in 2019. Wow. And then I competed in Finland in a strongman champions league competition. Um, and then kind of the fucking pandemic happened. So I was still training. Um, I was supposed to train in Lithuania. I was supposed to go compete in Lithuania. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Zydrunas Savickas. No. Uh, they call him Big Z. He's the most winningest strongman in history. He's like, you know, he's the Tom Brady of strongman. Like, no he's shit. fucking the GOAT. And uh, I was lucky enough. I spent three weeks in Lithuania with him a couple of years ago, like, very video- cool. videoing and training with him and stuff. And then um, two years ago, World's Strongest Man, he invited me to Lithuania's Strongest Man. But I just, I couldn't do it at the time. It was just, you know, money. Um, I just wasn't in shape for it. Right. And so... Uh, you know, pandemic happened and it was just kind of like, fuck. And I was still training. And then after the breakup, like, uh, I just wanted nothing to do with the gym for, I I didn't do anything for nine months. Wow. Yeah. That must've been weird for you. It was very weird. Um, it was also very, very relieving, I guess, just cause, mm-hmm. um, it was weird because like the gym to me is like brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. It's people like how do you make it's just it's part of my day usually and so it's that's how it's been for i've been training i'm i'll be 39 next month i'm training since i was 11 so it's at 28 years yeah and so 
it's just, it's, I've probably spent more time in a gym than out of a gym in my life. So it's like, it was, it was very weird, but it was also just very, it was nice to have that time, I guess, and yeah. just recover. And I didn't have anything I was training for, any goals. So it was just kind of like, let me focus on comedy. Let me do this stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so the first nine months I was down here, like I didn't, I didn't really lift. Wow. And, and, you know, I've always, I've never been that committed to the gym, but I've, you know, it's a daily routine thing for me for the last, you know, seven years. Um, and I, I've had, you know, moments where like you get sick and it's like that relief almost of like, oh, I don't have to stress myself to go to the gym because yeah. I, I have a legitimate excuse not to be there. And that, uh, that palpable sense of like, ah, even because even though going to the gym is like an essential part of you and uh what you need to be happy it it still is a uh it's easy to get down on yourself about it and yeah. to push yourself in a way that might not be like mentally healthy oh yeah you know i don't and you know at my peak of competing i mean i tore my bicep clean off the bone got it reattached the next week and so I got it went in the surgery Monday, Saturday of mm-hmm. that training. And I had a cast on my arm and I was doing what I could with one arm. Damn son. It's just you know, it was yeah. no quit mentality. It's no quit yeah, it's just it's a weird it's an ego trip and it's just you're like you know, my whole identity was that and that was a big yeah. part of it too, is like I wanted to I think those nine months I was trying to get out of that like making that my identity. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's who I was. I was that going the strong man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, most of my followers on Instagram, it's because of strong man. And, it's, yeah. and so like, I still post strength training related stuff sometimes just cause you know, those people have supported me for so many years. Like yeah. I still want to give them content that they liked as well as comedy and stuff, which, but it's just, you know, it's a real struggle when that's all you've known. Yeah. And then it's like, I'm going to change my life completely differently. Yeah. And, uh, so now it's like, you know, even here, it's still, whether I want to or not, it's still kind of my identity, yeah. <laughs> which well, is funny. Cause like, this is the first time in, you know, over a decade that I've been the big guy. That's so, funny. Yeah. yeah. You go around a comedy show. <laughs> yeah. I'm the big guy, but <laughs> when sure. I was in strong man, I was a you know, little yeah. guy in the corner. Interesting. Yeah. That's funny. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, uh, life has its weird twists and turns and you're never in the wrong place. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm happy you're here. Thank um, you. Yeah. Appreciate it's, that. uh, you seem like a genuinely interesting person, somebody that, uh, has real drive, you know, knows how to keep their shit together. Something that you don't see a lot in the, uh, open mic scene, you know? Yeah. I, I think you can gravitate real quickly to the people who do have their shit together and you can yeah. see it. I think a lot of people come down here the intentions and it just turns into a party. Yeah. And it's like, that's been a struggle with me is cause like I did my partying, you know, yeah. I, my twenties were a fucking shit show. And it's like now, even into my early thirties, it was a shit show. And now I'm just like, like I'm here to work. Yeah. I'm here to do. And yeah, I like to go out and have a couple of drinks once in a while and have some drinks to the open mics here and there. But like, yeah, you know, I don't want to do that one o'clock hang just yeah. to hang and yeah it's like i want to be in bed i want to wake up i want to be productive in the morning. you want to get after it and so and i think there are people that are very are the same mentality mm-hmm. and they're a little younger so they can 
do a little bit more of that partying, but yeah. they're not here to party, you know? And yeah. but there are people here that are just here to like go out and get drunk. Well, yeah, like I said, everybody's lost, you know, some yeah. people got a better idea what they want to do. Some people are, it's easier to get distracted. Um, I think anytime you're coming from an area that uh, isn't as hopping as this, and then you come down here, you know, you have a lot of, there's a lot of trap doors for you to fall into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you and know. it's you know it's hard with comedy because every it's, you're always in a bar. Yeah, always. Well, so. I haven't uh, I haven't uh, drank in the last eight months, and not nah, it's just like a I just thought like let's see what that's like, yeah. and um, it's it's funny how you like I've seen how much even just like you know like a couple beers a week can do to slow you down oh yeah you know it can it, it really hampers your ability to be productive yeah and well that definitely um it definitely fucks some, like my anxiety and depression yeah um, yeah over kicks in an overdrive and like the other thing too is i don't want it to be a crutch interesting because like you know if i drink three or four beers i feel great on stage i feel yeah. comfortable um and then but you know i've done shows where i've been completely sober and i felt good but sometimes mm -hmm. it's just like you get those nerves beforehand mm -hmm. and it's just it's like talking to yourself and like i'll be comfortable on stage but like you know the nerves you're just like oh fuck and yeah it's oh, a little beer would be fucking great right now for sure yeah. so you know you tell yourself oh, i'm just gonna have like three or four yeah when i first started <laughs> i'm just gonna have three or four <laughs> when i first started i made like a tradition and i i had a weird like r journey into this um but like i would do where i would do like you know one open mic every four to six months for like the last six years yeah and um I would, uh, I did like a tradition where I would like drink a coffee with Bailey's in it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm getting the caffeine, <laughs> like boost of energy, but also getting the, you know, the, the chillness of like some alcohol, yeah. you know, but that's just retarded. Like yeah. just go up and be yourself, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, learn how to cope with that situation naturally. Yeah. And it's one of those things too. I think, you know, anybody who's in been any sort of performance, whether it's sports or, you know, performing. Yeah. It's, uh, I think when you're drinking to get on stage, it's, you're trying to block out whatever happened that day. Cause yeah. I know, I know me personally, like if I Friday, I, you know, Thursday night I had a, you know, decent set. I did 10 minutes over mm -hmm. at Indian roller and hell yeah. Good job. Thank you. And then, um, Friday I went and did the same set at Texas hockey and I fucking ate dicks. And yeah. I think it was just cause I did, you know, I wasn't. I didn't drink for like two weeks, and then I had a couple drinks at Indian Roller, and then I was just, you know, I didn't get to bed till three because it's a late show. Mm -hmm. I had to work, and I was just so fucking tired, and just yeah. like, uh, you know, I just looked, I felt defeated. Just I was like, Ugh. and yeah. I'm like, now I gotta go do ten minutes, and I think you can tell, like, I just didn't have, I wasn't entertaining. You Interesting. Know, I was just reciting. Yeah, I am. Um, it's it's so like interesting because like I have commitment issues with stand up. Like with my podcast, I have I, I mean I have a little bit. Like I've like had periods where I don't do it, but like the level of like commitment I have to my podcast feels like it feels effortless. Like yeah. it's so, I'm always wanting to do it mm. and work on it. Um, but like with uh with stand up, th the learning 
part of it. Cause like there is not a single time you go on stage where you don't get off and you learn something. Yeah. Like, and if you're not learning something, that's an issue. But like, there's always like, like just observing yourself on stage and seeing like your mannerisms that you take on because like you're uncomfortable or whatever is, is so interesting. And it's bizarre to see yourself like why, like in a public situation, I'm never putting my head down and like shuffling my feet around. But when I'm in state, uh, I'm in front of 25 people, all of a sudden, like I'm nervous as fuck or like I'm acting like visibly anxious. Yeah. I mean, it's the number one fear is public speaking, which is so weird. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of get it because you, you're putting yourself out there to face rejection and men specifically, as guys like we don't we don't like rejection no. like rejection sucks but with rejection is growth and yeah and knowledge. i mean that's the thing is you know i feel like you just need to eat shit sometimes yeah like you need to have those bad days yeah. if you're not having bad days then you're delusional you're delusional exactly <laughs> like i'm jealous i'm somewhat jealous of the people that get off stage and just ate shit and they're just like yeah that was fucking good you're like, you're like really but at the same time are you jealous of that person because no, they're not I'm self-aware not. they're know? not self-aware but you know sometimes i would like a little bit of delusion so yeah right because those fucking car rides home where you're like, oh, like I'm an asshole and I suck. <laughs> I should quit. I should yep. just go fucking work in an oil field. Like, what yep. the fuck? My dreams are stupid. Yep. I'm a retard. Like, <laughs> exactly. This is it. Yeah. But I, I feel like uh, it's also, it's just a fun, it's fun. It's, there's so many things about it that are so cool and unique. And also in the backdrop, I view it as one of the most like, you know, noble path. It's such a important thing to society yeah. um, to have good stand up comedians. Um, I think, you know, this is a cliche to say, but I do think they are the last truth tellers. You know? that, I don't think that's cliche at all. I mean, in like who you have, you have music and comedy. Yeah. Those are, and I guess any artistic expression is an avenue to get out divergent thought. But uh, there's something about like the um, hypnotic ability for elite comedians to bring you into their mind yeah. and think for you. Like watching, um, you know, you you see any great comic and they have this ability to like make you forget about your reasoning, your rationale, your line of thinking, and they do the thinking for you. Yeah. And you're in that moment all in and they hit you with little bits of like information that yeah. actually can affect you in the way you think. Yeah. It's, you know, some of my favorite comedians, they're also the most controversial because yeah. maybe I don't agree with them but they have a good fucking argument usually. Yeah. Who are your favorite comedians or some of them? Um, I mean, you know, like Chappelle rock, uh, Segura, um, right now fucking Shane Gillis, I think is one of the most hilarious people on the planet. I Uh, haven't, I want to check out his special. uh, I haven't yet. He's so fucking funny. Uh, Mark Norman, David tell. I fucking love Dude. I love David tell when he was on insomniac, like for forever. Um, I mean, they're all, you know, pretty much goat names. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I really love Kyle Kinane. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with him on a lot of politics, but I think he's fucking hilarious. And the way he describes things are great. So yeah. it's like, and uh, that's my, th- like, even if I don't agree, if it's funny, 
Yeah. It's funny. It's like, funny. It's funny. And if you don't, and if it bothers you so much, I think we can all just be like, turn the channel. Yeah. I, I've, I turn, I turn the TV on and it's love Island. I'm not going to get there and get pissed off about how fucking annoying that show is. Like the implications to like people's like, it's just, it's a shit. It, I don't like it. I don't like the bachelor. I don't like reality yeah. TV, but I don't, you know, I don't complain to people about it. I switch no. the channel or I just <laughs> laugh at it, you know, yeah. like it's funny, whatever, you know, let it go. Agreed. And I just, like you said, you know, they just, I like hearing, I like when I'm, when I hear somebody say something yeah, and I'm just like, how the fuck did I not think of that? Right. Or they give you an oh shit moment. Yeah. And you're just like, wow. You're like, you're fuck. Just like, so fucking smart. Or it's like, how? Like, Dude, like go back and listen to some of George Carlin shit. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I listened to, uh, fuck, I can't think of the name of the special, but the first 15 minutes of, uh, I wish I had this special. This sucks. The first 15 minutes yeah. of one of his specials. <laughs> but, uh, just the first 15 minutes you're just like this is literally brilliance yeah. like this is somebody this is everything that he's saying is something that i know but i've never thought yeah. you know like it's that ability to just like make you go like huh is is something that uh that i i don't know i think it's the most important thing in the world when i think even you know just like reading or any other artistic event when you when you listen to somebody and how they think yeah and you kind of understand their thought process i think it helps create your thought process mm -hmm. and it you know it's like oh, all right so you can look at things this way versus like cause i think most people have like you know you have pathways in your brain and the smarter you get and the better aware like you are with awareness and just you know you build new pathways in your brain it's if you're ever into like cognitive theory all that bullshit whatever yeah i know it's i'd love that and shit. i think when you listen to comedians you know like i think it creates new pathways in your brain you're like all right well oh yeah that makes sense and then it's just like then you can leap into other things mm -hmm. and that's you know that's i just that's one of the things i love about comedy is just like you just it's a new way to look at the world yeah. and you're just like holy shit yeah and, yeah and it's 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 vital it's important it's almost like you know, everybody looks at things so black and white nowadays. Yeah. I feel like at least that's how it's portrayed. And everybody says, oh, you know, things are more gray. Mm -hmm. and it's like, I think comedy is just kind of like it's a splash of color on that. And it's Interesting. Like, oh. Yeah. I like that perspective. It's like, no, there is a there is a, you know, a green, blue, yellow, yeah. orange way to look at this. Exactly. You know, yeah. and, and it's complicated. And yeah. it, everything's complicated. And the way you make it palatable is by making it funny. Exactly. Because everything is funny. Like uh, everything has, there is a humor, there's just a divine humor to the nature of existence yeah. per se. Like uh, there is humor in everything. And uh, when you're with your best friends, you find that, you know, oh, like yeah. when you're with people that, you know, you can laugh, that just you laugh at a look on their face or you laugh at the way, you know, they peel an orange or just anything yeah. has f comedy in it. And like a world without comedy, a world without funny is black and white and gray. It's boring. There's it's horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean like, you, you know, you reminded me, you know, peeling an orange or something. It's like, you, you ever look at one of your friends like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then like they show you like, 
Oh, that makes a lot of fucking sense. They're like, oh shit, yeah. that is how you're supposed to eat tortillas or like whatever. I remember, you know? I don't know why it stuck out when he said orange, but I remember watching this thing way back in the day about how gorillas peel a banana. Yeah. And they don't do it from like the stem top, they do it yeah. from the bottom. Change your life. Change my fucking life. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is so much easier. You peel a banana from the bottom, you don't have to deal with that dangly bit. It's at the bottom. Yeah, and it, it makes bend total it, sense. Like, yeah. And it's like, holy fuck. And you get that weird piece off that nobody eats at the bottom of yep. a banana. <laughs> you get it off when you peel it, and exactly. then you're good. Whole banana down. Yeah. Change my fucking life. <laughs> yeah. Should, if you're closing, I feel like every comedian is on that same wavelength of like, we all hate the Twitter bullshit. We yeah. hate the political nonsense that's going on. You know, everybody hates, you know, name a news company on cable. We all hate it. It's all annoying. The culture wars are fucking annoying. Like, I, it's, it's, it's just like, I don't know how to like even talk about that subject without being, you know, redundant other yeah. than just like what we're talking about right now of just like explore life. Don't get caught up in like, red or white or black or white you know just like yeah and, you know, have like, an open mind yeah was it a couple of days ago and it was two o'clock in the morning we're sitting in a fucking uh i don't know some fast food restaurant it's a chicken one canes yeah you know um it was a conspiracy theorist a socialist and me i i say libertarian just because it's the closest yeah. thing to me but sure more anarchist but um we had a great conversation yeah. And we agreed more on things than we thought. And it's just like, I wish more people would do that. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that's what I, the great thing about this community is there are so many different perspectives, mm -hmm. but everyone seems to get along kind for the of, most and, part. And in a weird way, kind of a line. Yeah. I notice, um, with one of my best friends, Bobby, like him and I, we believe the same things. Like yeah. we, we believe the same things. But his route of getting to what he believes is completely different yeah. than mine. So when we're talking, we have super inter interesting discussions where we're like debating, disagreeing, and then we'll find ourselves agreeing at the same place. Yeah. Which is, and I notice that with uh, with other people, it's like we all like have just different ways of like different roots in our mind to uh to think about things yeah but in the end of the day we all kind of want the same things exactly yeah, everybody wants the same thing they want you know good health food yep. safety peace love and happiness peace, love, happiness yeah. but how you get there that's that's yeah. the that's the debate that's the debate yeah and it's it's crazy if people just were like look this is we want the same thing yeah how can we compromise <laughs> it's yeah. like oh shit maybe we can't compromise and yeah well, and that's where that's where it gets weird. Um, where you get to a point where you think that there is no compromise. Yeah. Um, because then that's that's where things get dangerous. When 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 there's a group that is unwilling to compromise with another group, and that's what we see. Yeah. That's what we're witnessing in our government. I mean, we're out of control. Yeah. It's the red versus the blue, and they. You know, nobody can pass bills in Congress and there's, you know, political gridlock, like they say. And it's all a fucking dog and pony show, too. Yeah. Which sucks. It's, which is crazy on yeah. the top of it. It's, it's just it's like. It's literally like high school bullshit in the government. They're just yeah. like, well, no, because you're a Democrat or you're a GOP. It's like. Mm -hmm. 
mixed in with the international politics yeah. like on top of that there's other countries who are are you know enemies like working as enemies and it's just like it's a nightmare it's yeah. so so deep it's so crazy yeah I used to be really into politics and yeah. I kind of got out of the last couple of years. I'm just like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Yeah. You guys want to, let's burn the world down and we'll see who comes out. I'm very from against the that. Get out of here. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Cause I don't know how to make a computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I just think, uh, I think most people, I don't know if, I don't want to say don't realize, but, I think the extremists don't realize on either end, left or right, yeah. that most people hate all of them. <laughs> yeah, and they that just funny? want are moderate and just want them to fucking go away. Yeah. And so like, it's funny. I always hear like, oh, I'm going to civil war, but like, you hate. Shut and up. people thought I'm just like, you guys realize that you two are gonna fight, and then the rest of us are gonna kill both of you because fuck you. Like we just want normal, sane people. You know, and that's a uh, everybody that I know that is. Uh, Big that was former military um, fighters, hunters, people that are you know just really like centered, balanced people. Um, they all feel that way too. Yeah. Like the real strong people are not on either end of this political yeah. spectrum. So it's very interesting. I personally believe that if there was like a real like hot civil war, um, it would be far more horrific than anybody could ever imagine. Yeah. I think um, based off of, like, you've seen war, um, based off of the history podcast that I'm obsessed with, Dan Carlin's Hardcore yeah, History. Yeah. Dan Carlin's amazing. I can't, I can't consciously, like, support, like, any call for that because no, it, I, I think it would surprise everybody how bad it would be. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and I, you know, and it's funny when I hear people that, I've worked at a fucking desk job their whole life talking about it. I'm like, mm. every guy I know who's very comfortable with violence does not want war. So, like, yeah. that's shut up. And everybody <laughs> thinks they know what they do. Like, yeah. in a school shooter situation, you think you'd know what they would, you would do. Yeah. When I was in high school, they did a uh, they did a simulation where they took kids that were in uh, the theater program. Um, if you were in the current like theater, you know, production, yeah. they gave them the opportunity like, Hey, do you want to stay after school and be the, um, the, I guess like the control subjects in this, um, full on school shooter simulation yeah. where a bunch of different counties came to, like their police departments and SWAT teams came together and did a simulation where they had, active shooters firing like blanks and assault rifles inside of the school and the students were the ones that were being hunted and um i'm getting chills talking about it um i wasn't involved but i had a lot of friends that were and they all said like they were you know before it they're like you know like giddy kind of excited like this is gonna be crazy we all like paintball and shit like yeah um I'm going to go this, we're going to do this, you know? And as soon as they started hearing like actual gunshots in the, like in the school, yeah, everything that you thought you were going to do goes out the window. Oh, hundred percent. You yeah. go into like panic mode. If, if, unless you're, you know, trained and comfortable in that situation. Well, and that's the thing too, is, you know, um, I'm, I'm a huge pro second amendment fan. Like, yeah, you know, I always have been, I've been around guns since I was six years old. Like my grandpa, taught me how to clean them mm-hmm. all that shit shoot and um 
But I also firmly believe that if you do own a gun, it's your responsibility to be trained in that. Because you have so many people out there that are carrying guns that don't shoot ever. Mm. And if they get into, you know, that guy, that dude who shot that person in Indianapolis, the Mm. mass shooter and the 22-year-old with his handgun fucking took him down. Yeah. Put eight rounds at him Mm -hmm. and fucking at 40 yards, which is handgun. Amazing. That's a handgun. Amazing. Yes. So he obviously trains like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. And like, because, yeah, you don't know. And mm-hmm. really, your instincts—it's you have to build your you have to build your instincts through training, and it's anything else. Because what you think you're gonna do and what's gonna happen, yeah, all comes down onto what are your, what are you trained to do? Yeah, what are your instincts? What are your do repetitiveness? You have, yep. Like, yeah, what's your muscle memory? And that's the thing is like, I'm also very for responsible gun ownership. Yes. And so I think these people need to fucking train. If you're going to use it and train and be aware that this is a fucking deadly weapon and don't treat it like, I got my gun. I'm going to give somebody a gun for the, if you give somebody a gun and they don't get that feeling of like, Oh shit. Like every time I've ever held a gun, it's been like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is not a toy. Like the level of seriousness should be, I don't know how you like advocating for that's so important, you yeah. know, because it's a deadly weapon. Like, how many stories of you know, two high schoolers find their dad's gun or like they're playing around with the gun, one of them gets shot and dies? Oh, yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, and it's just because people don't learn respect for that weapon at an early age. And mm-hmm. like, my grandfather was in the military and had a closet full of guns, and I yeah. go in and clean them all. I could field strip a rifle by the time I was eight or nine, you no know, shit, like, that's crazy. And I just, I loved it, and I. You know, it was never like, I want to go shoot people. It was always just, I, no. it's just, it's, it's a fucking, it's amazing thing. And yeah, um, it's a constitutional right to um, me. It's a, you know, it's a constitution. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree a hundred percent. Um, yeah. And I think it's just, uh, I mean, it, it, I think it's a lot more system systemic than there's just guns. And I, I could go into this for hours, but it's an interesting topic. It really is, and I, 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 I don't want to sound like one of those people in the '90s are like video games and rock music's yeah. the devil, but I think when it comes to internet and social media and the 24-hour news cycle, mm-hmm. and we're getting peddled nothing but fucking anger mm-hmm. and mistrust for all day, every day, mm-hmm. it's driving people crazy, mm-hmm. and it's just like get the fuck out and go see nature man like that's so important i think uh i don't know i i had a like a premise i wrote down a long time ago just like you know just like all 24 year olds the internet uh is starting to go crazy like every 24 year old like that's when like shit's hitting i mean that was when i was 24 i was born 94 same year as the internet and it was just like, you know, you're 24 years old. You're just really starting to, like, get out into the real world, experience bills and responsibility. And uh, you kind of, like, you have, like, a crisis so much or almost, like, identity. Like, oh, my God, like, this is real. Like, I'm playing real now. Yeah. The Internet is only, the Internet's only, like, 27, 28 years old. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this brand new thing. And it's going nuts. Yeah. Like, it's bro like from people on the internet to the internet itself whatever 
artificial intelligence is just floating around whatever bots are just floating around like collecting information turning your cameras on listening to your conversations scroll scanning through your text to find keywords and shit to like give you advertisements of cat food that you fucking talked about with your friend like it's all just like this thing that is affecting the psyche of our people in a way that nobody knows Nobody can, we can't, how can we study it? Nothing like this has ever existed. Exactly. I and mean, it's crazy. Like we literally have, we literally have the entirety of human knowledge in our pocket. Yeah. And unfortunately people don't use it for what it could be. No. And like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Me neither. It's, 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 it's crazy. a Pandora's box. Yeah. And it's, 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 I guess it's, you know, if, uh, if you're concerned about the state of the world, uh, the most important thing you can do is, uh, work on yourself. Yeah. Don't focus on those problems because like all those, like the problems we're talking about right now, those are not things that you are going to fix. Realistically, the only way that you can make society and the world a better place or a safer place to live is by making you the best version of you possible. Agreed. I've. Yeah, I, I mean, as I gotten older, um, I've kind of taken like a, a Taoist approach to life. Like, you know, you're not gonna change change yourself if you want to change the world because, and you can, and you yeah. can change the world like that. Exactly, and you know, and once, you know, if you start doing something positive, mm-hmm. like you'll start seeing people that are in your life around you getting into that. Yeah. And maybe they won't get into that specifically, but you'll see right. them making changes because mm-hmm. like it does, it is a cascading effect. Like when yeah. one person changes themselves and like they get better, you know, I, you know, I have friends that are like, they see me post stuff about lifting and like, Hey, I want to lift. They've never lifted in their lives. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, and I'll, you know, start, you know, start them off really slow and eventually they get into their own thing and their fucking wife or spouse, you know, or husband, they, they start doing it and yeah. then, it just, it's, you know, it's like a game of telephone almost. Or yeah. The word gets out. And yeah. You tell a friend and yeah. they tell a friend. And well, I mean, uh, the word of mouth is uh, still the best method of advertisement. 100%. Like, and, uh, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's an attack on people bettering themselves now. Like Interesting. Um, I'm not like diehard rogan or like jordan peterson fan i'm i am i love them both um i mean i don't it's weird saying that about rogan specifically because that is attached with so much like negative like um stereotypes i guess it is like jordan peterson if you have a problem with jordan peterson then you need to probably like there's actually read his books read his books (laughs) listen to his lectures don't just watch like the the uh, controversial interviews or whatever, yeah. like explore what that person is saying and un- and and listen to it because he is a he is a fantastic source of information. Right, and I think, you know, I look at people like them, and it's like they get attacked, and I'm like, do you really understand like what they're kind of doing? Like Rogan, if anybody, if he's doing anything, it's he's encouraging men to be better versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like he's, I've never listened to him say like, you know, go be an asshole. Like he's very fucking like, no, you got to work hard, be Mm -hmm. better. Like, and like saying with Jordan Peterson, like he's just trying to get guys to be exactly what 
the people that hate him yeah think guys are like don't yeah. like they like they think guys are all these fucking you know crazy just sex fill blah 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 and he's like okay well then if you are this person then make your bed fucking yeah don't watch porn like ooh, yeah. like fix your shit fix your shit and yeah. it's like honestly like i always feel weird saying this but like you know rogan he said something a long time ago that like really stuck with me and it's made me a lot more empathetic hmm. and it's he's just basically like i look at people now as children yeah they're like I, you know not looking at them as children but like i think of them like they were once a child yeah so now i'm like i look at people and i'm just like you know tw- 10 years ago i might have made fun of them or not to their face but i'm yeah. like oh, that's a fucking idiot but i'm like you know like what's going on in that person's life yeah and like that's what i think of first i'm like is that person lonely are they happy yeah what's going on with them yeah and yeah. so like then it makes me feel like I'm, i just feel closer yeah. to people like people have a reason for the way they are yeah and a lot and of times it's they just haven't been uh they don't know any better yeah just like a child you know exactly yeah. we are just everybody's a big kid like we have you said you're 38 yeah we have an 11 year age gap here um and i don't feel it yeah. I, I mean you've you've certainly had a lot more life experiences that have shown you a lot more you've been around the world <laughs> a lot more um but at the end of the day we're all just clueless monkeys circling the sun nobody knows what any of this is we're all just trying to figure it out for ourselves and along the way people get distracted people like run into all sorts of different challenges that like form them into who they are oh yeah and you know one of the best pieces of advice i ever got was uh one of my old clients he was a lawyer very successful lawyer yeah he had his own law firm a couple other businesses just cool fucking guy though and this is right when i was leaving uh, my old job and I was getting ready to like start my own personal training stuff and like doing the finding strength stuff. And I was like, man, I just, I feel like I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. And he looked at me, he goes, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing either. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? He's like, not a clue. <laughs> He's like, I mean, I know, you know, law, but like, mm-hmm. I was like, just go fucking do it. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's, you know, when you have, when you're people that are very successful, just like, I have no idea. What yeah. I'm or doing. like when I started, I was completely clueless. Yeah. Yeah. I just started walking down that road. Yeah. I think going back real quick to the Rogan and Jordan Peterson thing is, um, I think the problem is people's, it's not necessarily just people's perception of them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's their perception of people who, um, who look at them and who follow them like a church, you know, yeah. it's those people. It's that, t- that's that guy who's obsessed with Joe Rogan is fucking annoying. Yeah. No, I agree. That guy who's all about jo- Jordan Peterson. That's come on, man, shut up. They're just like a little bit. There's a way about a lot of people like that, that is off putting, but there's a lot of people that like that consume their, uh, their shit that aren't like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, I just, and it, it doesn't take away from the quality of the content. No, it it just it always annoys me when like you see people that are uh, just hating on Rogan, and it's like it's like you don't listen to his podcast now yeah. because I've never heard him like I've never really heard negativity. No, not it's, really. Never being mean to people. No, never talking bad about people. Like calling out bullshit. Yeah, but. Uh, all in all, I mean, you listen to, that's the thing people don't get about podcasts too, is like, if you, 
listen if you have like a couple favorite podcasts uh-huh. just the nature of this art form you learn how people like the person on that podcast thinks yeah if you listen to bill burr's monday morning podcast and you've listened to it for a couple years most weeks like an episode a week you know how bill burr thinks yeah like you know not completely because it's not you know he probably you know he he withholds plenty i'm sure but you find out like what their personality is and why those podcasts like joe rogan and tom Segura, like your mom's house and uh bill burrs and duncan trussell like all those podcasts are so popular is because the people who listen to them know those people like they know how they think and they trust Mm -hmm. them and it's not there's no like nobody has lines you know yeah i don't know it's it's just uh podcasts are just interesting like that you know yeah and you know it's it is wild how uh i never in a million years would have thought that long form interviews would have ever been this interesting i love it i do too i love podcasts it's just it's crazy to me that like i think it 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 definitely shines a light that people want like they don't want to be overstimulated no they don't want that quick bit no but we're like force fed it yeah and so and it is addictive in nature it is yeah yeah it's you know it's like having a bad fucking it's like being an alcoholic and you might not want to drink yeah. or you're going to drink because yeah. it's going to be in your face or something like that. But like, you know, the internet, you can't escape it. No. Yeah. And it is bizarre that this is, uh, I, I, that this is the, uh, current like hot underground thing that people are craving. Um, I remember when I first discovered podcasts, it was like, finally, yeah. like the thing that I always wanted, but didn't know I wanted like yeah. in my media is here. Like I, I, I'm a huge music guy. I love music, but you know, ever since I discovered podcasts, I still listen to a ton of music, but like I listen to more podcasts than I do music. Yeah. yeah. And 100%. it's just because where I was born, where I was from, when I grew up, there just wasn't people that thought like, thought like me. Mm-hmm. And when I listen to certain podcasts, I'm like, Oh my God, this person thinks like I do. Yeah. And I get to listen to them, have a conversation with somebody that is interesting as fuck, you know? And I, I just think, I think it's such a cool, new, valuable, uh, art form. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. It's, I've learned a lot from it. And yeah, like I said, I mean, it's made me question a lot of my, like how I view the world and like, yeah, I, I think in general, you know, those podcasts where, you know, they are preaching like how to be a better person. Like it has made me a better person. Yeah. You know, I'm not 10 years ago. I was a fucking raging lunatic to just want to go out and party and get drunk and shit. And mm-hmm. now it's just like, I want nothing to do with that <laughs> in life yeah. for the most part. And it's, um, just, you know, it's taught me to be more self-aware, like my own ideas and my own, and I just, I think more people fucking need that. They need yeah. to like take time to think they're so worried about external. They're yeah. not even paying attention to what's happening. It's inside. overwhelming. You couple in a stressful job with just the, the natural chaos of life. And then that chaos gets funneled into our cell phones. It, we, oh, yeah. We're completely overwhelmed. People, average people are totally overwhelmed. Yeah. Here, do you ever watch Portlandia? No. 
So, uh, do you know the show at all? I've heard of it. It's Phil Armistice, and uh, I can't remember the girl's name, but um, it's just all making fun of hipsters in Portland. Mm-hmm. But there's one sketch that sticks out where he gets caught in a media loop, and so he's like, I got to update Twitter. And he's like, I got to check on Facebook. And he's going back and forth like his phone and his iPad and his computer. And he just yeah. keeps doing all these things. And like, the, you know, somebody else runs in like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And he's, like, yeah. he's like, oh, he's stuck in a media loop. And that's I, funny. It's funny 10 years ago. Now yeah. it's like, no, that's fucking, that's real. Yeah. That's real. That's the shit that happens. TikTok. TikTok is so fucking addictive. It's insane. Yeah. I, I deleted it the other day. I was Good like, job. Good job. It's but Instagram's like, nope, guess what? Yeah. We're TikTok now. <laughs> right? Instagram's just filling that void. Fuck. It's all it's all a mess and it's you know, everybody's just trying to figure it out. I think as as long as you're, you know, aware and you uh just don't bury your head in the sand, you'll figure your way through it. You yeah. know. You're you everyone you you you're alive for some reason. Like you find out why that is, you go in that direction. You know? And yeah, I think reading and hearing other perspectives is the only way to yeah really that's why in nazi germany they had book burnings and yeah. like they didn't want martin luther to translate the bible for the common man to read it because that's how you know people gain knowledge and power and strength is I, through those one of my favorite quotes i can't remember who said it but uh he said the difference between now the difference between where you are now and five years is in the books you read damn that's cool that's always been a quote that stuck with me i like a lot i like that a lot that's interesting i think on that note that's a really good place to end awesome cool we uh we crush it man uh tell people uh if you want where uh, they can find you what you're up to um i don't have any shows coming up right now but uh if you want to follow me on instagram it's just z-g-a-l-l-s z-galls um i'm sure i'll throw a comedian in there at some point in my life but uh there you can check out the YouTube. Uh, it's YouTube.com. Finding strength, strongman. I think mm-hmm. I have. Yeah, you, you search finding, finding strength, strongman. Strong you'll find it. Um, and yeah, and then yeah, that's pretty much it right now. I pretty much deleted all my other socials because I just fucking yeah. I need a break. Hell yeah, man. So, well, this was lovely. Thank you so much for thanks coming. for having me. I appreciate it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, just tell me that little pretty poem again, please, sir. That was beautiful. Uh. I ain't got bars like the last dude in line. Cause goddamn, son, that shit was divine. Flowing bars like rivers up in here. Making a God-fearing man feel like he's going queer. Your bars are fat, just like your ass. You got more junk in your flow than I do for show, for show. Come over here and lick my toe. You know, you know, you hoe. And I mean that respectfully, though. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that podcast, y'all.